Hey, podcast fam, Claire here, your non-diet or registered dietitian reporting for duty here on episode 78 of the Yours Chuli podcast. So I'm really excited to bring you our second guest of 2020. I almost said 2018, but that was two whole years ago. But it is 2020. We are here with our second guest episode of the year, and I'm super excited to introduce that guest here in, in a couple of moments. But we have a couple of housekeeping announcements to share. And then of course, our Your Shuli Goal Slayer featured post of the week. And then we will hop right into the content of our episode. So first announcement that I have, if you follow me on social media, you have probably seen me talking about this or promoting this, but I am a huge fan of webinars. I love being able to present longer forms of content that allow me to beyond beyond video and interact with a live audience. So if you too are a fan of webinars, I am offering my second free webinar of the year. Look at that, our second free webinar, our second podcast guest of 2020. I didn't plan this, but things just seem to be lining up. So this webinar is called Three Ways to Bring More Self-Love into Your Relationship with Food. I am doing this in parallel with the season of love that is right around the corner or Valentine's Day if you might be celebrating. I'm recording this episode at the beginning of February and our webinar is a couple of days prior to Valentine's Day on February 11th at 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. That is a Tuesday. So if you are looking for more ways to trust yourself around food again and to eat in a way that nourishes your physical, mental, and emotional health, all three of those things combined, then please come and join us for this webinar. I'm gonna have some funny puns, of course, because what else would you expect from me? And I will have some really um, tactical tips and strategies to help you allow your eating experience to be more rooted in self-love and self-care rather than out of restraint and self-loathing and solely trying to manipulate your body shape and size. So I would love for you to come and join us, please, if you plan on doing so. Again, it is free to sign up, but you do have to do just that. So if you're looking for the sign up form, you can find it on my bio on Instagram. Just click the drop down link and you will see the tab to open up webinar registration. If you're not on Instagram, that is the only place the link lives rather permanently, but you can also find the link on my Facebook page. If you just type in Claire Tuning or yours, Chuli Nutrition, I have posted it there recently as well. Or of course, if you can't find it on either one of those avenues, you can feel free to reach out to me personally on any social media platform or shoot me an email even, Nutrition at gmail.com, and I would be happy to help get you signed up. So again, that's February 11th. It is a Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. I cannot wait to have you there. Always a good time. We interact. We have a party in the comment section. So I will hopefully see you there. So second thing that we have to do, as we always do, 
here on the Yours Truly podcast is our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So this post comes from one of my new clients who is one of our newest members of the one-on-one coaching program that I run. And she writes, hi all, I'm a new coaching client of Claire's and I just had my first call yesterday. I had prepped in my mind being asked lots of uncomfortable questions about past failures and given goals about traditional tracking or diet restrictions. Now I knew this would be different, but I had no idea how radically different Claire's approach is with gentle nutrition and intuitive eating. We discussed everything and I do mean everything. And she has a poop emoji there because we talk about bowel movements with all of my clients in our first call, but she asked incredibly insightful questions that I had never thought of before. Like what food rules or food judgments did I experience as a child? Whose voice do I hear when I'm conflicted about eating things now? I am blown away by our first call and she has three mind blown emojis. Maybe you can imagine what that looks like. And then she says, the first one, I'm thrilled to be here and on this journey with all of you. So I want to give a big thank you to this new client of mine. Actually, now I'm reading this a bit late after she posted it. I'm reading it about a week later, but we had our second call yesterday. And if this client is listening, I am so grateful to have the opportunity to be on this journey with you. And I want to thank you for sharing your reflection with our community. And as she says here, my approach as any dietitian who takes a non-diet intuitive eating approach is radically different than what you might think a dietitian or a health professional would be asking you in your first session. I really start to do a deep dive with all of my new clients first and foremost. Of course, we get on the same page about their health and they fill out a couple of health intake forms so we can just be on the same page there. But then we really start to lay a firm foundation with you know what has brought them to this current relationship with food that they have now. What has informed them to get to this place? What rules have they learned? What influences have they had in their life around food and eating? Because so much of your current relationship with food was likely determined long before you even knew that you were being shaped and formed into the eater that you are now. So we lay a really firm foundation with understanding where they have come from because that really helps me as the coach, as the dietitian, to help um, formulate goals and help to, to keep this approach very centered on what will be best for my client and what will best meet them where they are at. So rest assured, if you are looking to work with a non-diet intuitive eating dietitian, we do not dive in to talk about macros and weight and what you need to cut out of your life. We just start, start talking about what is your relationship with food and what are some tiny ways that we can work to move the needle forward every single day to create a more neutral and a more positive relationship with food so that you don't have to be fighting food or fighting your body for the rest of your life. So again, thank you to this client. And if you are listening wherever you are today thinking, wow, I want to be in a community where I'm hearing these messages about food, where I'm learning more about an approach that is really quite different, then I would love to invite you to join us here in our free private Facebook community. So I talk about this week in and week out. So if you are a listener to the podcast regularly and you're not there already, I kindly ask you, what the heck are you doing? 
maybe you don't have a Facebook and that's okay, but if you have been listening for a while or maybe you're a new listener and you just would like a community of support, a community of people in your corner who are navigating similar journeys, then we would love to invite you to be part of our group here. So again, the community is free, but it is private. So I do like to uh, get to know everyone who comes in and lay a couple of ground rules so that this community stays one of the, the best and most positive places on the internet. So you can find the application to join our community again in the link in my bio on Instagram. That was a mouthful to say, but it is there. And you can also find it by typing in yours truly goal slayers on Facebook. The community will come up listed as private. Just hit request to join and then I will message you privately. So keep an eye on your inbox with the link to that application. So please come and hang out. Don't forget about our webinar. We have a lot of fun things going on here at yours truly nutrition, and I cannot wait for you to be a part of them. So drum roll please, da, 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 da. fancy transition music as we always have. I am so excited, like I hinted at a few moments ago, to introduce today's special guest here on the Yours Julie podcast. Her name is Caitlin Ball. She is a health coach who takes an intuitive eating approach with all of her clients. She was kind enough to have me on her podcast, so you can be sure to check hers out as well, but she was kind enough to have me on her show around the holiday season and we talked about some holiday intuitive eating tips, but I really wanted to bring her on the show today to allow her to share a little bit about how she helps women quit dieting, gain confidence, love their lives, you know, improve their self-care practices, and really start to make peace with food and themselves, similar to, to what I do as well. So Caitlin and I really dive into a lot of interesting things here in our conversation. We talk about how her personal intuitive eating journey began to shift after she had her beautiful son, her beautiful baby boy. Uh, we talked about the, the question that I ask myself and I know my clients are asking a lot, you know, is dieting easier than intuitive eating? Is it um, easier at the beginning? Is it easier for the long run? And we kind of start Start to get a little bit of clarity around that question. And she also finishes out our episode by offering some really cool, really important tactical tips for anyone who might be just starting out on this journey, or maybe even for those who have been on this journey for a while, what she has to offer might be something really helpful and really encouraging to keep you moving forward in a positive direction. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Caitlin. Um, again, she'll offer at the end of our episode how to get in contact with her on social media and she'll share a little bit about her podcast as well. So please seek her out if you love what she has to say and I'll talk to you at the end of the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm sitting here on camera. Well, not sitting here in real life, although that would be cool, but with Caitlin Ball, a fellow intuitive eating professional. So Caitlin, how are you today? Are you in California? Is that where you are? I am in California, and it is super rainy, and I'm loving it. <laughs> you said I'm you're loving it. 
I'm loving, loving it because I'm cozy at home. Like when oh. you're outside looking at it, it's beautiful. I don't have to go anywhere today, so it's great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my perception of the rain definitely changes depending on what I have to do that day. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, if, if I had I have- to walk to my co-working space, the BART to my co-working space, it would be different. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you have a day to like be cozy and just do work from home, it can be nice sometimes when it's raining. But yeah, if you have to get out and about, no thank you. So yeah. before we dive into who you are and what you do, I have a little game here that I play with all of my guests called This or That. So are Hi. you ready to be our third or fourth participant in the game show? I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) let's do it. First question that I have for you. Very important that we know this dogs or cats. Dogs, but I've never had either. So, but I generally like dogs better. Okay. (laughs) Just thinking if you did have one, (laughs) what type would you go for? It sounds like maybe a a dog person. Would you choose? It's like a spinoff question of that, but would you go for (laughs) like a smaller dog or would you want like a big guard dog type? I think like a medium sized dog. Okay. Like somewhere, my cousin has a medium sized dog that's perfect. It's not the yappy little dog, but it's um, also not giant. And I live in a small house. So I was just imagining a big dog at least too big in here. Yeah, I um I always grew up with cats. I've never owned a dog. All of my friends are like, "What? You've never had a dog? Are you crazy?" I'm like, "Hey, some people just don't own dogs, and it's fine." But I always thought to myself, if I ever did get a dog, I'd want it to be kind of like a medium-sized one where I could pick it up if needed. <laughs> like mm. if we had to go to the vet or if we had to like I don't know run away somewhere. I don't want to be having this animal that I cannot transport. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I grew up with rats. That's a random fact about me. Rats? I had pet rats growing up. Wow. What does a pet rat eat? Like, what do you feed a pet rat? It's like, uh, it kind of looks like bird food, like little seed and oat, like, is it oats? I don't know. It's been so long now. But yeah, I loved them. They ha- they all had their own little personalities. Everybody thought the tail was so gross, but I thought it was really cute. And they just yeah. ran around my bed at night before I put them back in the cage. And yeah, really hey, fun pets. different pets for different people, right? Different yeah. strokes for different folks. Maybe I'm like making a mental note, like, can I be a rat dietitian in the future? Like I just, <laughs> my first question was, what do you feed it? I guess that was just very much. Yeah, that, that is a very dietitian brain. question. I did not think much about that. Sometimes a treat would be a little slice of bread. <laughs> oh, the stale bread. <laughs> like you're Yeah, stale me. bread when we're going yeah. on vacation. Have fun with that. <laughs> so funny. Uh, second question that I have for you, plain mm-hmm. water, like plain, still H2O or do you like fizzy water better? Oh, that's a hard one because like on a regular day, I just want plain water. But if I go out to eat, I don't really like soda. So plain wa- uh, fizzy water is like my upgraded, exciting drink. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like context dependent maybe. Yeah, like definitely. Definitely. All right. Fair. We'll accept I'm really that. into the, you know, spin drift, like a little flavor with this you know those? Yeah, I do. I see the logo in my head. Like they do such a good job branding themselves. I've never had one of those. I started off with LaCroix and then I've done all like the grocery store spinoffs. I'm currently hooked on the Target brand. I think it's called Good and Gather or something Mm -hmm. like that, but they have a a strawberry mango flavor. Yeah, it's so good. Very delicious. 
I'll have to try that. I like the spin drift a tiny bit better than LaCroix just because it has a little bit of real juice in it. So you just get a little bit of mm. a tiny bit of sweetness. Yeah. It was super funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about LaCroix and how it's like water that wanted to be alcohol that like never quite made it there. <laughs> Oh, super wanted funny. to be a white claw. <laughs> wanted to be a white claw, but like wasn't quite spicy enough. Like didn't quite have the the full intention to get there. Yeah. Um, third question: Are you an iPhone person or an Android person? iPhone. I got a Mac in 2012, and I've been forever converted to all yeah. things Apple. Yeah. I just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they make it so easy. My boyfriend's like, you know, you could get an Android. Like, why don't you just switch it all up? I'm like, you don't understand. Like they have my business for life because everything matches. <laughs> everything right? matches. And you know yeah. what? It, I always had uh, PCs until 2012 when I got the Mac. And I still, right now I'm talking to you on this 2012 Mac. Granted, we had some problems with Zoom, but <laughs> yeah, that's like a solid coming up on eight years. And yeah. that my Dells were, sorry, Dell, but it was like three years max. Yeah. This is the Bash Dell podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> but no, I couldn't agree it more. It might be better now. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I was sharing before we hit record. Um, I asked you kind of what computer that you had because we were having a couple of glitches there, but I was like, oh my gosh, I used to have a 2012 Mac as well. And I literally like within the past two months, I upgraded it, but yeah. I like up until that point, the only thing that was air quote wrong with it is that it was like a little bit slower. You know, my storage was getting full, but it had mm -hmm. lasted me. It's like still in pristine <laughs> condition. It's lasted me for yeah. how many years is that? Like seven, eight. So yes, products made to last. This is not an Apple commercial for anyone who might be wondering. Yeah. Um, it's very related to intuitive eating. You want some of the thing that actually lasts. <laughs> wow. Which is actually, it's, I'm really glad this is like a transition I didn't even plan, but it's definitely <laughs> something, keep that in mind, dear listeners. That's something that we're going to touch on definitely towards the end of our episode. But final two questions, mm -hmm. uh, peanut butter or almond butter? Oh, peanut butter all the way. I'm with you, sister. I knew you. I knew we could be friends. <laughs> um, I do like almond milk. Uh, same. And I, I like almond butter for certain things, but right. peanut butter, if I'm just going to have a spoonful, I would never have a spoonful of almond butter. That would yeah. just be weird. I actually, I got on an almond butter kick not too long ago because I, it was just something different. You know, it tasted a little bit different, but then I started to like look at things critically and I was like, Claire, if you start consuming almond butter in the amounts that you start consuming peanut butter or that you do consume peanut butter, then like your entire grocery bill is going to be almond butter. Like <laughs> it's so much more expensive than peanut butter. It's it unreal. is. It is. I, I got it recently and it was, I was like looking at my bill to see what the priciest things were because I was surprised at the price of my bill. And I was like, oh, that's why the almond butter was $15 yeah. because I got it from the like fresh, like, um, you know, fresh like ground thing yeah. Yeah, at Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I When I go to Trader Joe's, it's like you look at, because you know what, everything at Trader Joe's, like it's often hard to find something unless you're buying like meat, but it's hard to find something that's like over $3.49. Like, yeah. let's be real. And I was totally. like looking like, it's like $1.99, $2.99. And then it's like $9.99. I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Almond butter. Um, but final question. This is not a food or phone related one. Beach or mountains? Beach. Definitely. Well, you do I, live in California. So. I do live in California. I 
I lived in Switzerland the last six years. So I was Ooh. in the mountains, in the Alps. There's something to be said about it. It is gorgeous. Yeah. But I think it's the heights. <laughs> I'm like, I don't ski because I'm too scared of it. <laughs> and well, I like, I could have learned. I tried to learn, but then I was like, you know what? I like doing like yoga a lot more. And if I get hurt skiing, I'd be so mad that I couldn't yeah. <laughs> move my body in other ways. So the beach, I like the sand in my toes. My husband's, uh, his family, uh, his mom's side is from Hawaii. So he's got beach love in him and uh, that's our main vacation. So I've grown yeah. to, to love it even more. Well, it sounds like you've been able to experience both <laughs> in your lifetime yep. and yeah. maybe have a little balance of both. And I have such a hard time with that question because I love both of those. The, the way I always answer it is if I'm going to vacation, I want to go to the beach, but I want to live in the mountains. That's kind of how I mm, have always yeah. broken it down. But hey, maybe that will change. Anyways, <laughs> that concludes our super fun, very important question <laughs> type of it. I've game never show done here. that before. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. I find that, you know, before we dive into who you are and what you do, it's just kind of fun and very different to get to know you beyond just who you are as a health professional. So yeah. first question that I have for you, Caitlin, along the lines of what we are here to discuss, I always love to just get a little bit of insight on my guests and kind of what brought you to intuitive eating. I find that everybody has a really interesting, sometimes accidental story that led them to kind of working in this sphere of health or in food or nutrition. So give our listeners, if they don't know you or if they're unfamiliar with you now, they won't be by the end of our episode, but maybe how you found intuitive eating and how that kind of plays into or has shaped what you do today. Totally. So I was a dieter. I started at the age of 12. My mom had been a Weight Watchers consultant like mm -hmm. when I was a lot younger, but dieting was just in my house uh, because she was, she was concerned with her weight and um, she had, we had a lot of Diet Cokes in the house. We had low fat dressing. We had margarine. I didn't think of those things until later on when I started this yeah. work that like, oh, okay. I was just surrounded by it. So no wonder why I thought it was normal, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. middle school came around and I started reading Seventeen magazine and seeing all these cute skinny girls. And I was like, I was a little chubbier. And I was, I was really tall for my age. I was like in fifth grade, there's a picture of um, my whole class and I'm standing next to the tallest guy in class who went on to be a professional defensive linebacker in American football. And I was wow. almost as tall as him. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm only five, eight now. I'm not so tall, but I, I was tall early. So I yeah. always felt a little awkward basically and a little bit chubby. And so I thought diets were the answer. That was what was going to bring me my confidence and uh, make me fit in. And so I did one and I lost I lost some weight. I went back to school feeling awesome. And then there was sleepover parties and dances and fun. You know, I worked at the snack shack with all the candy after school and I stopped my diet, but um, I officially had started my strained relationship with food because whenever I was eating those foods, I was feeling really guilty about it because now I knew the calorie counts and I knew the fat. Mm -hmm. And I have a very numerical, I majored in finance, so I have a very <laughs> numerical brain. Yeah. And I, every time I saw food, I saw the calorie count. Yeah. And 
that's what happened over the next 15 years. I just always went back to calorie counting. I tried the juice cleanses. My very last diet I ever did was Whole30 right before I got married. And what finally set me free of dieting was a little bit of a combination of things. But I, like I mentioned before, I moved to Europe. I moved to Zurich, Switzerland with my husband for his job. And when we got there, I noticed all these women eating pizza and pasta and like full plates of them and getting salads with like dressing all up in it, not on the side. (laughs) And I, nobody was talking about diets. You know, like in America, a lot of people are like, oh, are you doing this? Are you doing, let's do it together. And it's Mm -hmm. like a a fun community thing. Well, it was not talked about. Nobody was talking about it. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And I just started noticing the first couple months when I was there. And the other part of it was we didn't know how long we were going to stay. So we wanted to travel as much as possible. Switzerland is like the perfect place to travel because you have an awesome train system. You're in the, you're bordering France, Italy, and Germany. And Austria, you can get anywhere really easily. So we're like, okay, we're going to travel. But I was used to only having two weeks of vacation in the States. And so I would diet before vacation. I would go all out when I was on vacation, mm. eat every, anything and everything, feel absolutely gross when it was over. And then I'd come back and do a juice cleanse or something. I didn't want to cleanse every time I was back in Zurich. <laughs> I wanted to figure out a way to travel and eat that felt good in a way that felt good and then come back and also eat in a way that felt good. And I was kind of starting to see that maybe this was possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I also started yoga teacher training because I, uh, I had time. I, when we moved to Switzerland, I was only really allowed to be my husband's wife. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to work uh, for the first two years. It's kind of a longer story than that, but I'll leave it there. And so I did the yoga teacher training and it was the first time I really started to eat for energy instead of for the way I looked because we would have these three day or five day trainings in a row where I really needed to eat the right foods to have the energy Mm -hmm. Um, and quite simply to be comfortable. You know, you're doing all these weird twists and turns. You don't want to be bloated and God forbid gassy. (laughs) (laughs) So I started to eat according to what my body really needed. And uh, so all that was happening. And then I found an intuitive eating challenge pop up in my Facebook ads. And I was like, okay, maybe I should try this. It's how you're supposed to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And supposedly this is going to make me healthy. And at first I thought, well, it's probably going to help me lose weight too. So I did it thinking this is like a new form of a diet. And then I started getting into it and realized, oh, wow, this is so much more what I actually need <laughs> yeah. than losing weight and started eating whatever I wanted. And after a couple of weeks of eating bread and pasta and ice cream and all those foods that I restricted, I was like craving a salad and I'd never eaten a salad because I wanted one. I'd always eaten one because I thought I should eat one. Mm-hmm. And that was the hugest shift. Like, oh my God, my body actually is telling me that it wants a salad. I could actually have everything that I want. <laughs> and my body, I could trust my body to, to tell me what it wants. So that was just 
the coolest thing. I felt so free. I got to travel and try all the food, but finally was able to eat an amount that felt good to my body instead of stuffing myself because I knew I was going to go on a diet later. And yeah, it was an amazing journey. And then I realized I got to share this. So I, I went to health coaching school. Luckily it was online so I could, otherwise I could not do it in German. My German is (laughs) so good. (laughs) So I, uh, I got to do that. And then after two years, um, you were able, I was able to start my own business in Switzerland. Um, once I was on a different permit. So yeah, that's where I am today. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And this very much lines up with many individuals who I've spoken with here on the podcast and just out IRL or in real life as the case yeah. where, and I feel like now I was even saying this to a guest that I interviewed recently. I feel like, you know, up until this point, you know, air quote intuitive eating wasn't really something that people sought out because yeah. it wasn't as often talked about. Um, right. I think maybe when you saw that ad for it, or that might've been kind of like the dawning of when it started to become really popular. I always like to tell Mm. people, you know, it's been around for a really long time, right? Evelyn Triboli, Elise Resch, they, they wrote the book in 95. So it's, you know, it's been around, it's not a new concept. And, you know, it's the way that we have been eating and surviving as humans since the the beginning of time. But I feel Mm -hmm. like now maybe people seek out, you know, intuitive eating a little bit more frequently or, you know, with the intention of, I, I want, to be on this path, but it sounds like for you, it was kind of this, again, accidental discovery of I've been dieting my whole life. I don't feel good when I get to, you know, go have all my fun. And then I come back and there's all this shame and guilt and negativity, feeling like I have to air quote, you know, fix something by going on a cleanse. And it sounds kind of like this very serendipitous moment where you are already thinking something isn't working. I don't feel good. You know, all of these fun things that I was promised that dieting would give me hasn't really worked out. Well, Mm -hmm. what is this intuitive eating thing that, that sounds like it might be interesting. And also something that I find very uh, interesting about your story, which I think it parallels mine in a way, you mentioned yoga teacher training. Um, I've been teaching yoga for a good while now. I think it's funny, longer than I've been a dietitian actually. Oh, really? And, you know, something that is really talked about in in yoga is tuning into what's happening inside your body, right? This idea of interceptive awareness of, you know, acknowledging how your breath feels or acknowledging Mm -hmm. how it feels to be in a certain shape or or hold a certain pose or relax your body in a certain way. And I think, you know, something that intuitive eating really begs of us as well is to sit with the sensations that arise in our body and find what they even feel like again, right? Because I'm sure something that maybe you can speak to throughout your dieting days is that there's really this disconnection and this breach of trust, right? When, you know, you're kind of eating based on a rule book or a plan and you're not really paying as much attention to what feels good, what doesn't feel good for you. So I'm kind of curious in your shift and in your transition from being the the chronic pro dieter, it kind of sounds like, to yeah. an intuitive style of eating. How is that transition for you? Because I'm sure many people who are listening are either going through that transition or they're maybe looking to go through that transition. So can you maybe speak to a little bit of what that entailed and maybe what was challenging about it, if anything? Sure. Yeah. So I think the one thing about intuitive eating that, that spoke to me was like, I did Weight Watchers because I liked the idea of still getting to eat 
cookies and chocolate. <laughs> you know, that was always, you know, Oprah advertises it. I still get to eat my bread, <laughs> right, <laughs> whatever. Right. I always liked that. I never liked the full on restrictive, like eat clean, like whole 30 was so hard for me and I hated yeah. it. <laughs> so that part really spoke to me and was like, okay, I can eat, I can really eat whatever I want. And I think the transition period in honesty, it came at a time when I was so ready because I was so tired mm-hmm. that it did make it easier. I was ready to try something new and I got to a point where I just, I knew the dieting wasn't working. And the part that was so frustrating was every time I lost those 10 pounds or whatever that I was trying to lose, I got there and I wasn't even happy. I wanted to lose 10 more. And so I realized there's gotta be something else to this. You know, it's like, I'm never going to be happy (laughs) if I keep going with this. So I'd say that helped my transition, just being really ready. And mm-hmm. I think it's hard to say. It, it felt really easy in a lot of ways. I, was, I just had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I tr- I'm really good. One thing that I do well is I trust people. It, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I really <laughs> trust people. And so because I had that guide, when I started, because I signed up for this challenge and had a health coach as my guide, I trusted her to guide me on this process. And uh, my husband's the opposite. Like we went paragliding and I thought it was the most fun ever because I didn't have to think. Yeah, I'm not afraid of heights in that way. But if I have to trust myself to ski down a mountain, I don't trust myself. <laughs> so I was so excited to trust her and believe what she said. She gave me that permission. And she told me that it was, it was, there was a light at the end of the tunnel and that helped me so much so that I uh, could just keep going with it. And of course there were a few bumps in the road. I'd say actually the biggest bump in the road was at about um, already like two years into my intuitive eating journey. I felt really good about my self care practices. I felt really good about my eating habits, but I had a baby and Mm -hmm. then life was totally different. (laughs) And I was like, how do I do this whole intuitive eating thing when now I don't like how my body looks again? You know, I was the one person that I did lose weight with intuitive eating. So I almost didn't do as much body image work then because I was happy with my body. And then when I gained the weight postpartum, I was like, oh, there's a lot more body image work to be done here. (laughs) I got to uncover those beliefs that I, that I had that um that i'm better at a certain size and mm. and that was good i did uncover them i did start practicing more body gratitude i did go out and buy clothes that fit my body at that size currently and i continued to remind myself this body just did something miraculous and you should yeah. be thinking it every single day instead of berating it and that was a really good process for me. I'm so glad I went through it because I was able to teach my clients better the body love part and be more uh, focused on that, more reminding them constantly that you need to do this because your body is going to fluctuate. Your body, yes, with intuitive eating, I stay at a more stable weight, but it does go up 
a few pounds up and down, you know, just depending on the season of life, depending on what your hormones are doing, who knows, whatever is going on. So I think that was the biggest uh, bump in the road, but I'm so glad I had it to, to be able to keep, keep going on. But I think um, having that trusted guide was, was what made it so easy for me at the beginning. Yeah. And I think what you said there that is really important that I hope anyone who's listening can draw away from this is everyone's journey is going to be different. Everyone is going to have different challenges or different bumps in the road that come up at different stages of this journey. So, you know, for many people who I work with, the beginning stages of learning what eating and moving and living looks like in a way that's uncoupled from dieting, that's really challenging. I work with other individuals like you who you know they're so ready for the transition and they're so sick and tired of the rules and the the macros or the the points right they're yeah. so sick and tired that the beginning stages are a little bit easier because they are just ready for something different and mm-hmm. I, I've even worked with people who are kind of like yourself you're sharing where the beginning is easy, but then maybe you uncover more things as you get a little bit deeper into your journey where you realize, oh, there's still work to be done. So again, I hope anyone who is listening can draw away that this, you know, I feel like the word that I say most often is like journey or like even (laughs) my, my phone, when I go to like type anything, like it always suggests, do you want to say journey? <laughs> do I? Like my, my phone, really me, but um, I feel like I use the word sometimes too much, but it really is true because this is not like a destination where it's, you know, I will learn the 10 principles and I will be there and I'll never have to do any of the work. It really is something that requires work an effort on the daily. And of course it's going to be more effortful in the beginning and there might be challenges again, depending on the individual, but over time, you know, things do start to become more of those learned habits and those behaviors that don't require as much effort and energy in in the long run, which actually is a really beautiful transition to what I want to touch on next. I did not plan that transition, but it's lining up really well. (laughs) We're having some good ones today. Yeah, some good ones. Yes. Go for transition season. But um, a piece of content that you had either earlier this week or it was pretty recently as I told you I like to keep these episodes as relevant as possible but you had a post talking about is dieting easier than intuitive eating and kind of breaking down how our you know perceptions of how challenging something is going to be can can vary and be a little bit different so i would love for you to maybe go into a little bit of detail on your thoughts on that do you think dieting is easier than intuitive eating do you think it's the other way around because i know many people who might be listening are either on their journey there's that word again and they're thinking oh my gosh this is so much more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Should I go back to dieting? So kind of give us your, your thoughts there, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that post came from this place of, I know why people are starting a diet. There are rules and restrictions and it's a laid out plan. And it's like, I can see it. I can visualize exactly what's going to happen. Intuitive eating is a little more up and down and not so linear like a diet. So I work with a lot of clients that have a hard time with that. They're like, well, I know what to do right now, but intuitive eating just seems like abstract and like, oh my God. (laughs) So I have to remind them that there actually is a plan with intuitive eating. It is just a different kind of plan and uh, it makes it 
it's not necessarily harder. It's just different and it's not so laid out. <laughs> so dieting can be easier. It's easier to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And this is what's going to happen. The other easier part is seeing numerical figures as a result. You're not going to see that many numerical figures, if any at all, as a result of intuitive eating. But when you think about it, you don't want numerical results. You want a feeling. And like I said, when I saw the numerical result, I still didn't have that feeling that I wanted. I thought I was going to feel different when I weighed X, Y, Z, but I didn't. But when I started intuitive eating, I finally had that feeling of like confidence and peace with myself and this inner knowing that I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And so, yes, it, dieting is easier to start. I like to say that dieting is kind of like duct tape for the bigger <laughs> issue. You know, you're just like slapping it on something else. Something's going on with the way that you're eating. And so it's making you want to try a diet. But Intuitive eating gets to the root of the problem. You go under the hood of the car, you see what is truly going on, and you fix it. And that is where the real work happens. And yeah, sometimes you have to go through a little bit of muck <laughs> to yeah. get out the other side. So that part is not so fun. I've talked to some clients actually that they they've maybe done some therapy on something else and they're like, I'm trying to decide if I'm ready to go through the muck right now. <laughs> and sometimes you're not strong enough. Honestly, some clients I wouldn't recommend they start it right now because it would be too much with something else that's going on in their life. That is hard. They need some things that are consistent. And if their, their food is consistent for right now, that is what they need to, to reduce their anxiety. But in the long run, intuitive eating is going to be easier. So it's just like anything, anything that's like a quick fix is, is not going to be what, what makes your life easier in the long run. Yeah. Sitting on the, sitting on the couch and watching TV is a quick fix for being tired. But if you really want energy for the long run, maybe that means going on a walk to bring you energy or whatever. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's the little daily habits that you need to change that will actually get you to where you want to go. So yeah, yeah, I don't, um, I don't think that diets are ever the answer, <laughs> but I do think you have to be uh, ready for those sometimes for the moment of, of getting to the truth behind why you're eating the way that you're eating and, um, you know, maybe learning how to deal with the emotions in different ways other mm -hmm. than using food to cope. So, yeah. And I think something that you touched on there that is so important and is often little talked about, you know, especially if someone's coming from the dieting world is that intuitive eating is about way more than just what you do or don't eat or mm -hmm. how you do or don't move your body. So it really is this multi-dimensional thing that can bring up a lot of stuff. And if you're yeah. not in, in the, the best headspace to manage all of that, it can be really important. And this is something that I tell many of my clients 
clients, like who else is in your corner, right? Of yeah. course, it's wonderful to have a, a coach, a dietitian, someone who knows the eating side of things who can help you break down, hey, this is why it's not your fault that those diets didn't work. This is how you can you know, start to move towards eating for self-care, which is what I love to call intuitive eating. But it's also really important to have other people in your corner. Do you have a friend? Do you have a family member? Do you have a therapist, right? That can right. help you. I, I believe you mentioned a couple of moments ago, you were working with a client who was also working through things with a therapist. I think that's wonderful to kind of think about, well, this journey might be challenging in the beginning and it might bring up a lot of things depending on your history with food and, and body and movement. So it can be really helpful to have multiple people to kind of support you and lift you up if and when things get really tricky. And something that, that you also said, I love your saying that dieting is like duct tape. I, I, I often, I have something similar, but I call dieting the distraction. There's a lot of like D's there, like dieting the duct tape distraction. I don't yeah. know. Maybe we can take that, make t-shirts, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it is really true because oftentimes these plans or these quick fixes, they satisfy our want and need for control, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like we have this plan, but they're often coming to be a distraction to what really might be going on. I always tell people, who come to me and I can tell that they're struggling with disordered eating or having a lot of rules around food or rules around how they should or shouldn't be doing things. Mm -hmm. And then we think, oh, maybe I should just do another diet to air quote, gain more control. But oftentimes, you know, that's that false sense of control. It's not really getting at the root of well, what informs these thoughts or what informs these behaviors. And until we can address that and do some unlearning and relearning around those things, then, you know, kind of like you mentioned a few moments ago, no level of air quote success on a diet, whether that's thinking you're going to feel better, have more confidence, or maybe be in a smaller body. None of that is going to feel as satisfying as we think it's going to, because those issues are still going to be there. And yeah. actually they might even be worse. So one question that I have for you here is we kind of begin to wrap up, but I think it's really important. Something that I always like to end our episodes with before we talk about how to find you and the final question that I have, but I love to make a takeaway from my episodes with guests as tactical as possible, because I think intuitive eating can be a lot of ideas and thoughts and really beautiful analogies, but sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. Like, all right, I get it on the intellectual level, but where do I begin? In to implement the stuff into my life. So if there's anyone listening right now who is not working with a coach, maybe isn't in the right place to do that, or is just so new to intuitive eating that they're trying to just kind of piece some things together, what is maybe a tip or a strategy, just something that you might have to send them in the right direction or maybe help them find what might best suit them in this moment in time? I think the best thing that I did when I was starting on my intuitive eating journey was I got this tiny little notebook and I had it in my purse with me at all times. And I just took notes throughout the day of like how I was feeling, or I did a daily recap. It was just how I was feeling, you know, nothing to do with the exact food, it was, but it more the feelings that happened when I ate that food, the the feelings that came up, the, the messaging that <laughs> was going on in my head, this is good, this is bad, ah, what are you doing? Figuring out on paper 
what was going on in my head, actually just like taking it out of my head really and putting it on paper, it helped make everything so much more clear. Yeah. And it just, I think doing that for the first couple months was what really helped me on my journey because it helped me uncover those beliefs that I had that were untrue. It helped me make new beliefs and it helped me also figure out why I'm eating this food, why maybe I don't want to eat this food. And uh, just, just really getting more clear on my wants and desires in life along with how I wanted to eat food and how I wanted to live and just getting more in tune with myself. And I always uh, wanted to journal, but I'm set, you know, I was kind of like in a dieting mindset. Well, if I journal, I got to do it every single day and I can never do it every single day. I just let those rules go with journaling too. And I just had the journal. There was no set rules around it. It was just a place for me to to write, jot some notes down whenever, whenever something came up. So I think that's a great place for people to start when, you know, you've learned some of the principles and you're like, okay, I'm going to get started, but I need, I need a little bit more help. A journal is kind of your, your best friend (laughs) in that scenario. I think that's a wonderful piece of advice because something that really goes along with this journey that I think a lot of dieting messages kind of miss is the self-reflective piece. The, Mm -hmm. well, how do I feel when I eat certain food or, you know, why am I using certain foods? Like what's the why behind my eating rather than just how many cups of X, Y, and Z do I need to put on my plate and shove down my throat right now? Right. Mm -hmm. Really look at looking at the motivations underlying our food decisions. So I think awareness always, always precedes change. So if you have kind of, like you said, two months of data of awareness of, I feel this way around a certain food, or I feel this way after I eat X, Y, and Z, it can really be a good self-study and reflective practice to help you find what you need more work around, maybe what foods you uh, need to decrease fear around or eat more of or eat less of, depending on how your body responds. And I think too, something that was coming to my mind as you were talking about the journaling practice, I actually had a conversation with a client about this yesterday. So it's very front of mind for me, but she had a really wonderful question. She was like, Claire, how in the world do I like keep track of my strides forward on this journey and my progress? Because we, we have taken away those number based measurements for many different reasons. I won't get Mm -hmm. into now, but when we're not relying on those, we can't see that very, you know, strategic line of progress, right. That we like seeing as human beings, it can be harder on days where we maybe feel challenged or um, like we're not doing the quote unquote right thing. It can be harder to say, well, I am here for a reason, or I'm doing the the good work for myself. But if you have two months, two weeks, whatever it is of journals, looking back like, oh my gosh, I used to feel that way around that food. Or remember when I used to be afraid of X, Y, and Z, it can really be a, just a, a great practice as well to prove to yourself that you are making progress. And like you said, a couple of moments ago, it's about the feeling that you have related to that progress rather than a measurement or a weight associated with that. So I love that piece of advice. I'm hoping anyone who is listening is writing on their grocery list, shopping list, get a Mm -hmm. journal, honestly, (laughs) even grabbing like printer paper, stapling it together. It does not have to be fancy, but 
Um, Caitlin, it has been wonderful chatting with you and getting to know a bit more about your story. I hadn't realized until you told it that you have lived abroad and you have so many wonderful experiences to share. So I want to thank you for that. And if anyone is listening to you, they want more information, they just want more of you in their life, where might be the best place for them to find you and get in touch? Totally. I would love for you guys to come find me over on Instagram. I'm there pretty much every single day. It's at Caitlin Ball Health and I share a little intuitive eating snippets as long as my as well as my life and my little three-year-old. <laughs> and uh, I also have a podcast, Quit Dieting for Good. And Claire did an awesome episode about the holidays, <laughs> which will be pertinent for any upcoming holiday too. But yeah, I'd love for you to find me over there. For sure. Definitely check her out on Instagram. Her podcast as well is great. And I love how podcasting and social media can just bring individuals like us together. And I know. So get to have, yeah, we get to have a perfectly good excuse, putting that in air quotations, but to just have a 45 minute conversation. Like how fun is that? <laughs> yeah. And not a lot of people love to talk about intuitive eating for 45 minutes. And yeah. I do. So <laughs> oh my God, I could great. talk about intuitive eating for like days. Literally Aiden, my boyfriend comes home and I, he's like, how's your and like I go on an intuitive eating rant he's like okay like maybe you need to find more friends to talk with us about I'm like great yeah (laughs) probably do it's like you know thank you for being supportive and for listening but you know if it's not your love right it is a little bit more challenging to want to talk about something for so um final question that I have for you as we wrap up I Mm -hmm. always like to end with something that is very thematic throughout the podcast here but Mm -hmm. something that goes hand in hand with intuitive eating is just living gently with yourself and giving yourself space to, you know, rest, recover, listen to your body, whatever that might mean for you on any given day. So um, can you give us a little idea of any practice or any behavior that you have that just allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself on a daily basis? Yes, I can. One of the biggest things I learned and it came with motherhood was allowing myself to sleep (laughs) (laughs) to sleep whenever I needed it and so I pushed it out I tried to pretend like I could just keep going and not get the amount of sleep I needed and it really backfired and I finally realized if I'm ever tired I just need to take a nap. I just need to rest and I can take those days without guilt because I know it's going to help me be a better version of myself later, which is going to allow me to be more productive at work. It's going to allow me to be nicer to my family and enjoy my time more. And I just found such, uh, such relief in letting go of the guilt of rest. I think we live in a society where rest is a little bit looked down upon and uh, I have to actively practice (laughs) Mm -hmm. doing more of it. And another thing that I do for rest is every single day I read some fiction and it's literally just for me to enjoy some time, some unproductive time and whatever unproductive time that is for you. I highly suggest doing it because we all need a little bit of that to, to turn off our minds and to, to be able to be, um, to be the people that we want to be without being, you know, that phrase human doings, rather human beings, just right. me, just 
get back into yourself and, and enjoy life and, um, and take rest when you need it. I say that phrase a lot in my yoga classes, the human mm-hmm. being, not human doing, especially when we're nearing the end Shavasana. I'm like, what does it feel like to just be still <laughs> for a couple yeah. minutes, right? And I think that's kind of what your answer there really speaks to. And we, we do live in a culture that likes to demonize and throw a lot of guilt at things that are needed for survival, right? Like mm-hmm. food, rest, um, <laughs> taking time to like go to the bathroom. Like I've, I've really worked with some clients where they're like, I can't use the bathroom in the day. I'm like, why? And they're like, it's bad for me to stop working throughout the day. I'm like, oh my goodness, how did we get to this point? Right. So yeah. I couldn't agree more that removing any guilt associated with just taking time to rest, to eat, to breathe, like whatever mm-hmm. it is that anyone needs to do. I hope you who are listening, I always look at my microphone when I'm talking to like people on the podcast, don't know why, <laughs> but I hope whoever is listening can take that virtual permission slip that Caitlin offered and use it in a way that best suits you. So again, Caitlin, it has been wonderful to connect. Everyone be sure to go and check her out. But that is all we have for you today on the Yours Truly podcast. So without further ado, yours truly, Caitlin and Claire. Hey, me again, popping back solo to say thank you so much for tuning in to episode 78 of the podcast here. As always, if you are loving what you are hearing here on the podcast, if you come back week after week, or maybe it's your first time, but you feel like you get a lot of value from these episodes, from our guests, what we are sharing here on the pod, please do not hesitate to take whatever time you have, whatever you are willing to do, tap those five stars, leave a review as as well because that is the main way that this podcast will continue to grow and reach individuals who can benefit from hearing messages similar to these. So again, leave that rating, leave the review. If you are a social media user, please feel free to take a screenshot of wherever you are listening to this podcast, upload it to social media. You can feel free to tag me at Claire Tuning. You can tag Caitlin if you're going to offer up this episode at Caitlin Ball Health because we would love to hear your takeaways and what you liked and learned from this episode. But that is all I have for you today, my friend. I will see you back here next Wednesday and have an awesome week. See ya.